Good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know us, this is Nayaswami Jyotish, and I'm Nayaswami Devi. And we just got back from 100 days of sharing our Guru's teachings in our community, in Assisi, and in our centers throughout India. And it's very, very nice to be back and to see all of you. So our topic this week from Rays of the One Light is Reincarnation, the Spiral Staircase. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, Jesus Christ tells us, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. There is a difference between church dogmas, which are based on reasoned deductions from scriptural statements, and the pronouncements of wisdom, which are based on the inner realization of scriptural truths. Reason, like a train, can only follow already existing tracks of human experience. Human memory, being short, is seldom able to cross back over the threshold of a person's present existence. Biblical references to previous lifetimes on earth are overlooked in the deductive process, and we find them therefore excluded from the body of official dogma. Nevertheless, such references exist. The Bible itself presents them, as does Jesus in this passage, not as an abstract teaching, but as direct, personal perception of truth. In the same way, Krishna, in the Bhagavad Gita, silences Arjuna's reasonable doubts on the subject, not by reasoned argument, but by the frank statement contained in the fourth chapter of that great scripture. Arjuna, you and I have passed through many births. I know all of them, though you, O chastiser of foes, recall them not. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. I don't think we need it later. <clears throat> I too want to welcome you. It's very, very nice to be back again. I must say after traveling for three and a half months, I was particularly caught by that phrase, and he shall go out no more. <laughs> this is... Uh, Whispers from Eternity, which are prayer demands by Yogananda. This is a very powerful one. Demand to return home. 
Impediments beware, flee my path. I am homeward bound through the long corridors of time, stumbling often into the pits of error, then lifted out by thine unseen hand. I have walked painfully, discouraging darkness, barbed wire fences of habit, stony embankments of indolence, mountains of indifference, means of unfaithfulness, sirens of sense longing, may stand even now in my path as if to prevent my onward march to thy palace. But it is but a million kingdoms and sextillions of years unblemished worldly happiness will never tempt me again to turn away from thee. So this is a very interesting topic, reincarnation and the spiral staircase. Hard though it is for us to imagine, less a week ago we were in India and we were teaching a course during which this was one of the topics, the spiral staircase or directional development and reincarnation. There was an audience about this size in the room and I asked them, how many of you believe in reincarnation? So I'll ask you, how many of you believe in reincarnation? Well, we Anandites are Indians at heart. <laughs> because I think if I asked this in another group of 150 people, I wouldn't get 98% of the hands raised up. But indeed, Master said that the whole, well, let me back up before I say what Master said. <clears throat> Part of the great scriptures of India, one of the great understandings is what's called Sanatan Dharma, the eternal righteousness or eternal religion. And it's beyond religion. We think of religion as, you know, Christianity or Hinduism or Buddhism or something of that sort. But if something is eternal, it predates religion, predates the planet, predates even the universe. So if there's an eternal righteousness, then that predates any expression of it whatsoever. Well, one of the elements of that eternal rightness is that there is a, create, uh, there is a consciousness, God consciousness, which creates everything, becomes everything in the universe. And our destiny being created by that consciousness is to return to that same consciousness. And so that expression outward and then the return back to that which expressed it is one might say the whole drama of incarnation. In fact, in the Vedas, they have the day and the night of Brahma, Brahma being a term for the creator. The, the day of Brahma is when there is an expression of a universe. And like a dream, you have a dream, and then that dream withdraws back into the consciousness of you, the creator of the dream. And then you have another dream. Well, the, the dream is the day of Brahma, but 
that same energy returns back into your consciousness in the night of Brahma, you being Brahma in this instance. So that, that kind of tidal movement of creation and then withdrawal of it, but we're a part of all of that. And so our, our being created, our coming into an existence, coming into a consciousness that is outward, and then returning to it, that is the essential drama. <clears throat> and all true religions have an expression of a particular path that appeals to a particular group of people to make that return journey back home. Well, we're all on that same path also, the path of reincarnation. What Now, coming back to what Master said, what Master said is that that process takes far, far too long to accomplish in a single lifetime. And therefore, we need many, many lifetimes in order to um, make progression. And how long, how many lifetimes? Well, as I asked Swami that one time, and he said, better not ask. <laughs> in the scriptures, it is said that uh, imagine a vast lake and every hundred years, a bird of paradise comes and takes a single drop from that lake and flies away. And then a hundred years comes. There's no evaporation in this lake, <laughs> unless you think there's an easy way out, you know. He comes again and takes a single drop. And finally, after eons and eons, that lake is empty. And so... It's a very, very long path, but gradually, gradually, we progress through certain stages of consciousness. Another way of thinking of this is that, let's say that you dream at night and you really enjoy your dreams. Well, you get to have as many dreams as you ever want to have. As long as you're enjoying them, have another one. You're enjoying it, have another one. Even if you're not enjoying it, even if you're having a nightmare, still, if you're engaged, really engaged in that dream, have another one. So we have nightmares, we have wonderful dreams, we have nightmares, we have wonderful dreams, and it goes on and on and on until we finally become disinterested with that whole process. And then gradually as the consciousness evolves, we, be, we get to the point <clears throat> where we have had enough dreams, enough experiences, enough ups, enough downs, enough we have it, we don't have it, enough we want it, we don't want it. All of that duality goes on and on until not until we finally achieve everything, because the mere desire to achieve will draw us on to want something else. Master said that it's like the motion of a wave, that there's a, an up where we're happy, there's the wave crashes where we're sad, or in this case, there's an up where we achieve something, and then a down where we lose it, and then the wave 
rises again. And Master said that in between that rise and fall, the, the ocean itself, uh, as long as we're caught in that motion of the wave, the trough in between, we're bored. And so even if we've achieved something, we become bored and the momentum of wanting drives us on to want something else. And it'll be something new or it'll be a continuation of what we have wanted. Maybe we want money and we get very rich, but we aren't the richest person in the world. We're only the third richest person in the world. Well, if the desire draws us on and on in that way, then we'll keep after that same goal. Well, that process finally ends not by becoming the richest person in the world. Because then we say, oh, well, I'm still not happy. Obviously, money didn't do it. Power, that's what I need. Power. And few hundred incarnations, that bird coming every hundred years. Um, and now we're after power. And so it goes on and on and on until finally we become bored with it all. And that we finally realize that nothing that I seek outside myself is going to fulfill me. And then we turn within. And as we turn within, we begin the long process of becoming a devotee or turning our energies toward finding God, turning our energies toward the withdrawal of the consciousness back in to the great creation, uh, the great creator, the consciousness from which we emerged. And gradually that becomes stronger and stronger and stronger until all of the desires that we have, all of the things that drive us on, the unfulfilled uh, seeking, they all begin to wane and we no longer are interested very much. And then finally, we get toward the very end of the process. And toward the end of the process, it's very interesting because at the end of the process, we have really no more aspiration for anything in the world. And that's what Master's beautiful prayer demand was saying, is that no matter what, I've had all these experiences now, the only desire I have is to come home. So the, the most important thing of all is to keep that aspiration strong. Because even when that aspiration is very strong, still the tendencies of the past, the tendencies of wanting money, the tendencies of wanting power, of wanting fame, of wanting this or this or this, those tendencies, those karmic tendencies, still have a little echo to hold us, saying, well, wouldn't it be nice? And uh, we might be going along and all of a sudden, the karmic conditions, as Master said or Swami said, um, there might be a karmic desire in our mind in this deep subconscious for fame. So that desire for fame, we haven't yet released it. 
well, here we are, we're all in this together and we're all here in, um, in Adananda and nobody really wants to become famous. That is all behind us. And then all of a sudden, the karmic conditions get just right when, I don't know, you're walking down the street and somebody says, you're perfect. I've been looking for somebody to star in the new blockbuster movie and your face is perfect for that. You're the one. Now, if that happened, if there's that deep subconscious unfulfilled tendency to want to be famous, you would say, oh, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> but if it's fulfilled, you'd say, are you nuts? <laughs> so most of us would say, are you nuts? But if whatever is there in the subconscious still lurks there to try to pull us back. So the real question is how do we get out of this? Because that, that interplay between the eternal, our true nature, the eternal, and our temporary birth from incarnation to incarnation, which we don't remember. Why don't we remember? Well, Master said, because it'd be too easy. If you remembered all your past incarnations the way Krishna does, it'd be too easy. You'd say, well, that didn't work, and that didn't work, and fame didn't work, and you're done. But, but it's kept from you. And so there's this long drama. Just about a month ago, we, were, uh, we had a very interesting stay along the banks of the Ganges. We have a friend who, uh, actually this person's sister has this place, so we were staying there by invitation. And it happened to have on it a cottage where Anandamoy Ma used to go. And she would stay there sometimes for months at a time. And Davy and I stayed in that cottage, which is now a little guest room. And it was very beautiful. And we went out and meditated on the banks of the Ganges. And I had a very interesting experience. I was thinking about Ma meditating and um, I was looking at the Ganges and it struck me that the river, the banks of the river, the river itself, the flow of the river was the same as when she was there, maybe a hundred years ago or nearly that, that really Maybe a rock or two had shifted, a little bit had changed, but essentially it was the same. And that same banks, those, that same river course that was there a hundred years ago, was there a thousand years ago, and 10,000 years ago, and a million years ago. And so that, that river course is eternal, or virtually eternal. Uh, certainly for our lifetime, you could say it's eternal. And yet the flow of the river itself, the drops that I was watching go by, none of those ever were ever there before or will ever return again. And so that interplay of the permanent and the impermanent, well, none of the thoughts that we have 
none of the experiences that we have, none of the desires that we have, have ever been exactly that way ever before. Nor will they be exactly that way ever again. And yet we become attached to them and we want to hold on to this and we want to freeze that river in place. And if we could freeze that river in place, it would no longer be a river. It'd be just some suspended animation thing. And so life moves on, experiences move on, but we have the choice between wanting to be the passing experience or the eternal. And as that desire to be the eternal grows stronger and stronger, then that is, and until it becomes the whole of our desire that we really don't have any other aspiration, then that's, honestly, that's where most of us are right now. Even then, there are old karmic patterns that are kind of like echoes, but it isn't going to hold us very long. So how do we really achieve what we're trying to achieve? Well, really two things. One is to keep our aspiration, our desire for God, strong and powerful. That's the most important thing of all, because what we aspire toward, what our direction is going toward, is going to determine where we go. And so the desire that we have for God and the sadhana and the service and the satsang, those things that keep that desire strong and powerful and, and present in our mind, those we have to feed energy to. And so, and, and we are all doing that, but I'm just reminding each of us, reminding us of our soul desire to, to merge with the infinite once again. And so all of the things that keep that um, strong, that aspiration strong, put your energy in, do your sadhana, because there will be, you know, always we will be on the edge of a kind of a push-pull. There will be a desire in the mind for, for reaching toward God, and there will be, as Master listed all of those things, the mountains of indifference. There will be a mountain of indifference that says, why bother? You need to rest a little longer, sleep this morning. You don't need to get up for your sadhana. Why bother? You don't need to go to that work day. You've done enough. You know, there'll be something just pulling us back. And we rationalize it, and there we are. So keep, keep that strong. And then, the, so keep the aspiration strong. And then the other thing is that when those karmic tendencies arise, try your very best to say, I do not want this. I give it to you, God. I do not want that. I give it to you, God. I do not want anything except you. Because if you get caught in the desire for this or that, you just want another dream. And if you want another dream, 
bingo, bango, you get it. <laughs> and that bird hasn't quite drained that great lake yet. But all of us have a very, very precious and sacred life in this time. It's very, very hard to have a life where you have the aspiration, the dedication, and then you have the gift of a great God-knowing guru, and you have the support of others who share that same dream and that same aspiration. So let's all of us try to make a resolution to have this particular dream be our last one and that we wake up. Sagar, I would like to stand. So we're both speaking this morning just because we haven't seen you for so long. Thank you. So I'm standing here this morning because nearly 100 years ago, a young man got off a ship in Boston Harbor. And his name was, at that time, Swami Yogananda. And he came from India. And by the way, I see, I have to say, I see some faces here, Varsha, Mega, Gorja, and Sagar. And I bring greetings and love from mothers and brothers and fathers. And uh, they all had tears in their eyes and said, please give them our love. So that man set foot on Boston Harbor, on the dock of Boston Harbor. And why did he come? It was 1920, very strange time the prohibition, roaring 20s, about to be the Great Depression and wars, many, many wars. But he came in part because his line of masters, Babaji, Lahiri Mahashaya, Shri Teshwar said, you are the one. You are ordained to come to the West and begin a world mission. And next year we'll celebrate that. But it wasn't a mission to the West. It was a mission to the world that began in the West because part of his uh, charge was to unite East and West. And before he came, he was, it's a fascinating story you read in Autobiography of a Yogi. He had started a school in Ranchi, and he, to get away from the, his growing flock of literally thousands of young students that had come, he went to a little attic room to meditate, a little storeroom to meditate. And before him, he saw all these faces, and they were, their skin was lighter, and their hair was lighter, and he said, Americans, surely these must be Americans. He had never seen them before. This was a vision that had come. And he said, I feel potential saints calling me from the West, and I must go. And he, 
and he began, he left that day, he left his school and began the journey to the West, which is why we are all here, which is why Ananda exists, which is why this Temple of Light exists, because he came. And he came for us, and he drew great disciples, great Rajasijanakananda, who achieved full liberation, a saint of many lifetimes, and Sister Gyanamata, and they didn't know anything about Eastern religion. They were raised in the Western tradition of Christianity, but they had their souls had evolved to such a level that at the touch of their master, they forgot, or they transcended, I should say. They transcended, oh, I am from this culture, I am from this religion, and they, their souls expanded into knowing there is only one eternal truth, and it exists everywhere and at all times. And they, he came for you and me as well. But I want to read just a few brief passages from his foremost woman, woman disciple, Sister Gyanamata. If you haven't ever read her book of letters, God Alone, treat yourself. One of the most profound, profound books of spiritual wisdom and teachings. And interestingly enough, she came from a Christian tradition, which doesn't emphasize reincarnation, but she knew reincarnation, and she talks about it. This is a letter to Yoganandaji. My divine master, I have never been deeply concerned because I do not remember my incarnations. I am the essence of them all. Surely this is the most important memory. I would like to have a feeling of continuity. You gave it to me once by saying that I had meditated a great deal in my last life. I felt a thrill of joy because you tied those two lives together and made them one. And then in another letter, she says, This is a letter to a sister disciple. Dear sister, your past incarnations had advanced you to the point where you were ready for a place very near to the master. Are you willing to, this was a woman who was having troubles, had written her, are you willing to sink permanently below that level to sell your divine birthright for a mess of pottage composed of temper and self-will? The only real pain, the only real joy there is, flows from within. We do not, cannot enjoy what others are. Let us press on, accepting either praise or blame as it comes, until we have become those, quote, whose conquest cannot be conquered again. With loving God and Guru, Gyanamata. So, when we come to the question of reincarnation, Jyotish began by asking you if you believed in reincarnation. Well, I, for one, don't believe in it because I don't want there to be any more incarnations. 
I'm done with it. And I hope all of you are too. In this lifetime, we have been drawn, just as Gyanamata said, to be in the orbit, in the aura of a great master. Whatever we have done in the past, we have great karma to have found to come to the shores of this great master who has promised that he would, those who stay till the end, he would bring them to God. And so let us look at how do we overcome? How do we stop the process of reincarnation so that we become, as Christ said, a pillar in the house of God? Or as Ganamata said, no more conquest is needed. We fought the battles, there are no more. Well, it starts with what our affirmation was about today, perseverance, sticking with it, even though it's hard, doing the right thing, even though it goes against the grain, transcending just the desire to say that unkind word, to be impatient, to say, I've done enough, I want to stop now. One of the things we learn on these trips, and please let me have the opportunity to thank all of you who pray for us while we're gone, because we couldn't do this without you. The intensity of the travel, of the schedule, is really beyond, beyond anything we think we're capable of doing, but it happens. And every time we get go out there when we have nothing left to give and we find something to give, we transcend, we conquer. And every time each of you answers that telephone in the village office or deals with a naughty child in the classroom, every time one of you leads a choir rehearsal where no one has on key, where everyone's all over the place, you're transcending, you're overcoming. Even though it doesn't look like a big, great thing, you're conquering the self. And that's what it's all about, conquering the self. And it becomes thrilling. It becomes, it, it, it's like we've been on a lot of airplanes and you get to recognize that moment where the plane is going faster and faster and faster and then there's no friction anymore because you're in the air. And that's what happens. We go on the spiritual path, we go faster and faster, and we can feel the intensity of the resistance. It intensifies, but then the moment comes and there's liftoff. And the, the friction, the resistance is no longer there. And that's why we came. And that's why Master came. That's why he stepped onto these shores, not really speaking English, not having much money in his pocket, not knowing anyone in this country. But look what happened. Perseverance, dedication, calling on his masters, and perseverance and discipleship. Those are the two keys that end the cycle of reincarnation. This life is what's important, not what we were in the past, 
People go to psychic readings and it's fun. I've gone and you learn you were this and that and the other. But at the end of the day, what difference does it make? We're here right now. And we have to deal with what's at hand right now. And if we can stop looking past, even in this lifetime, forget what mistakes you've made. It doesn't really matter if you're trying now. And forget even maybe what may come in the future. Just live with the intensity that this is it. Once Nai Swami Jai, our dear friend in India, he said, when I met Swamiji Kriyananda, he said, I was just a college student and I wasn't that deeply committed spiritually, but something in me, this thought began arising and I made a lifelong resolution God, I don't know where I've come from, and I don't know where I'm going, but this one life I give to you. And he said, and I've never let down from that commitment. And so if we can say, forget about reincarnation, think about this incarnation, give it your best, give it your best so that you, have, you go out no more, and that we can find... and. Coming back, being with all of you, it's very hard not to be overcome with joy at the beauty of what exists here, of the beauty of who all of you are, of the beauty of your souls. And I look out here and I know what your dedication. And we were talking with Nakula in the vestry before we came out. He was the project manager who created this temple along with many other dedicated people. But I said, Nakula, you did it. You built this temple. And he said, you know, I don't feel any connection with it. I, I'm, I feel inspiration. I feel its power. But I don't feel like I did it. And I, it just brought tears to my eyes because of that spirit and he's one of many, one of many who live here. And so let us together in this world of confusion and darkness and instability, let us hold firm, let us persevere. Do it not just for ourselves, not just for Ananda, not just for these wonderful communities, but do it for the process that joyful process that is laid out before all of us that says, I will do this. I will commit this life. I will eschew those things that say, don't you want this? Wouldn't that be nice? None of that's important. All that's important, and I hope we can do this. Let it all go. Just let it all go. Nothing is yours. No paper you've signed means it belongs to you. Give it all away. Give it to God. Only then will you find the joy that your heart and soul are seeking, and you'll find freedom. God bless you. Blessed, blessed, the whole life that is given to God. Blessed,
Oh, 